Good morning, and welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1493.9 FM, WDWS. For nearly seven decades, Champaign-Urbana's daily gathering spot for conversation, dialogue, and ideas. You can join it on the phone, via text, or online. Our phone number is 217-356-9397. Or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Or email us at talk at wdws.com. Now... Here's your host, Brian Barnhart. And good morning, everybody. It's a penny for your thoughts on kind of a frosty morning. We're sitting at 23 degrees. Like uh, somebody put a layer of icing on top of a cake, basically, is what it looks like out there. We uh, got several inches, but a lot of it melted before it got too high. Yesterday with the warmer temperatures, uh, much colder today, a high of only 24, low of 16 tonight. Got some really cool temperatures coming in next week. But uh, be careful. Parking lots, uh, different roadways can be pretty slick. But other than that, we're doing pretty well here this morning. And we're glad to have you with us here on this Penny for Your Thoughts. 217-356-9397 is the phone number. Text line, Castle Heating and Cooling presents that, 217-351-5357. And you can email us, talk at wdws.com. We're going to talk about the uh, 25th anniversary now of the day that uh, Air Force One got stuck in the mud. There was a whole lot going on that whole day that we'll kind of reminisce about a little bit. January 28 is the actual anniversary of uh, when President Clinton and Vice President Gore spoke over at the then Assembly Hall to a packed crowd. And I was watching some of the video of that uh, in the last hour or so, and it's just interesting who was there to greet him at the airport. Dick Durbin and Karen Mosley, Carol Mosley Braun, and uh, you had um, the Chancellor, of course, uh, Aiken, uh, President Stuckel. There was a lot of folks there uh, that day to greet him, uh, greet both men. And uh, then they did their speech over at the uh, assembly hall, and then they tried to leave, and Air Force One got stuck in the mud, and it was a footnote in history. But here we are, 25 years later since that day, January 28, 1998. And here we are, January 26, 2023. Great to have you with us. We'll visit with uh, John Rector and Mike Coble, who were working out at the airport at the time. We'll kind of relive that day from start to finish, what it was like, what was happening. If you have some memories of that day, if you were in the crowd that day at the assembly hall, and heard the president and the vice president speak. You're certainly welcome to share some thoughts on that here in this first hour. And then we'll go back to an open line after the news at 10 here this morning. Glad to have you with us on a penny for your thoughts. Uh, Gallo Miller Paint and Collision Repair is one of our sponsors. You can visit them if you had an accident yesterday, maybe in the last couple of days with the snow and ice. Or if you uh, hopefully don't, but if you do have one in the future, just keep their uh, number handy. Keep their website handy. GalloMiller.com. If you do have a dent or an accident of any kind, they'll be happy to take care of it for you. They'll make the process easy. They'll take care of the insurance. They'll help get you lined up with the rental car, get all the paperwork processed. They just take the headache out of having an accident, and they make it as smooth as possible. Dave and Bill, they'll do a great job for you at Gallo Miller Paint and Collision Repair. All right, a break, and then we'll talk to John and Mike here about that day 25 years ago right here on A Penny for Your Thoughts. 
On a penny for your thoughts. 9-12. Here on this Thursday, News Talk 1400-93.9 FM. Hope you're uh, staying safe out there. The road's a little slick, but uh, not too bad. We could have got a lot uh, more, and there are places that do get a lot more, but uh, we did okay out of all of that, but uh, hopefully you're safe and sound. Good to have you with us listening on a penny for your thoughts today. John Rector has made his way in. How are you, sir? It's a fabulous day. Yeah, you can pull that mic to you there so you don't have to. It is a fabulous day. It's a great day to have a great day. And it's it's fun growing up in this town in this area, Brian. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Good to have you with us. And we got um, Mike Coble over there. I'm here. How you Good doing, morning. Mike? Beautiful day in the neighborhood. Good. You guys are making the rounds on this uh, 25th anniversary of, uh, and, and as we say, Air Force One got stuck in the mud. Okay. We, we're going to talk about that. But there was a whole day. Well, was, President Clinton oh, was here and Al oh. Gore was here. We're going to get into all of that. But it was, re- it, was, it was an amazing day, <laughs> right? Right? Yeah, it was. You know, it was for me. I joke with people. Brian, that for me professionally, it was the greatest day of my life. I mean, yeah. when does all that happen with what, you know, all the the prior planning and then the day of and then stuck in the mud? Mm-hmm. Fabulous day. <laughs> well, let's first, before we get into all that, let's talk about what you do now and what you were doing then. So that's 25 years ago and then what were you doing and what are you doing now? What did I do now? What do I do now? Well, what, what's your... Yeah, what what oh, we man, do for a living? Still, oh, still trying to save this town and this community. Uh, yeah. I have a local... Uh, insurance agency, mm-hmm. Rector Insurance Agency, started that three years ago. I tell people I've had a colorful professional career, done a lot in this town, but love this community, still do a lot of volunteer work, be doing one winter night this week, uh, or you know, a week from Friday, mm-hmm. do Challenger League like you. I mean, sure. we're still committed to this community and my church and all the great people here, so work hard, still have fun, and that's why Mike and I are here today, too. Mm-hmm. Your job 25 years ago, though, was what? 25 years ago, I was marketing director at Willard Airport. I started there in 97, and the famous day was January 28th, 1998. How about that? All right, Mike, how about you? What are you doing today? What were you doing then? These days, I am semi-retired, and it's true what they say. You're busier after you retire. (laughs) I'm, uh, oh gosh, I'm going on about a 34. Four, 35-year career in the fire service. I was a fire chief here in the county, one of our collar fire departments, mm-hmm. and uh, retired as assistant chief out at Willard Airport Fire. And these days, you can find me over at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I'm on the track rescue team over there. Okay. Been, yeah. doing, been doing that there in Chicago in yeah. about 15 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So your official title 25 years ago, though. My boy. official title was, yeah. and it's changed a few times, yeah. and this is the University of Illinois, so I was a Crash Rescue Security Specialist 1. 1. Yeah. <laughs> There's more levels than that, huh? 1. I'd been at the airport, uh, I think, about four years yeah. at that time. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's, let's go back to that day because the, the purpose of the visit, and I kind of went back and looked at this a little bit, was that President Clinton had given a State of the Union address few days before and he was bringing al gore with him to come to champaign urbana it was part of a stop i think he went to was supposed to go to wisconsin later is that why they were here the whole day right did you even (laughs) my my day was so busy yeah john's too i don't think we even knew why they were here yeah really so you just so when did you first get word okay air force one is they're coming you remember yeah i you know i i'm gonna guess it was three or four weeks before when uh, my boss uh dr henry taylor who was the director of the institute of aviation brought me in uh, we were without an airport manager at that time, and so Mike's boss, John Smith, 
John Smith and John Rector got to be the the two lead guys at the airport. So a lot of prior planning, went to campus. Um, that 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 part was cool. I mean, yeah, these people don't mess around. Yeah. So they well they they maybe you can't whatever you can give away here or talk about all these years later. But I mean. So uh, security. I don't, have, I don't have any secrets. You know, security, <laughs> security. Uh, the, you know, the security for the president. Uh, they yeah. come out and scout the airport. I mean, how does that yeah, all work? Su- super intense and yeah. uh, secret service is the yeah, word I'm as, looking for. Yeah, as John mentioned, uh, John Smith and him had integral parts in that, representing the airport, and they worked with campus folks. But remember, this was post nine eleven, or I'm sorry, pre nine eleven security. And, uh, you know, Al Gore had invented the Internet just a few years prior, so we didn't have a lot of digital happening, right? So they ran phone lines from building to building to building out there for their communications. Because the president has to be in touch. Right. They had a special room there at the administration building that they put that special phone in. Yeah. In, a, in a special office. And, and then I learned later on with some different people, they did the same thing at Centennial High School when Gerald Ford was there in 76, maybe? I think 76, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think he visited a farmer, too, at one point, Yeah, if I remember right. I rode my bike over there to Centennial just, just to see the president. I hadn't even had a driver's license yet, and this, this policeman comes <laughs> yeah. up and yells at me, I told you a bunch of times, move your bike. It's the first yeah. time I talked to the guy. <laughs> well, you had, in, in this case, as we talk about 25 years since uh, Air Force One was here, President Clinton, Vice President Gore, uh, there are a few times that the president and vice president travel together, but it's not... It's pretty rare. It's, it's not all that common. Yeah, right? pretty rare, especially, you know, I mentioned the, the pre- or post-9-11 security, so it would be super rare to do that. And obviously they traveled in separate aircraft, you know, uh, separate okay. motorcades and the whole nine yards, yeah. Really? So you had two planes... Yeah, so... uh, How many planes landed? Was there a press plane, too? Yeah, so let's see. Um, The the day before, had a couple of C-141s come in at Willard, uh, and uh, they both had a motorcade on board, and then those were stowed in one of the hangars out there at the airport. Uh, At the fire station, we got a briefing from the Secret Service. They gave us a quick layout of the airplane, and it was very similar to the one we were actually able to get into a few years earlier when Al Gore was here by himself. Okay. Um, so they gave us a layout and a briefing of where everything is, and, and they said, the man will be here during landing, and the man comes off first. So I, we assumed the man was the president. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, everything was pretty much on lockdown the day of. I remember we had a bunch of large vehicles and MTD buses and tarps lining the fence so you couldn't see land side to air side as we call it and uh let's see just just a super busy day and then when the thing got stuck oh my gosh yeah Yeah, it was all hands on deck so um now were were flights stopped other flights yeah i mean everything was stopped yeah yeah so the airspace is controlled a certain amount of time before and after things come and go and uh that day we saw the two c-141s uh there were two press planes 737 size Mm -hmm. and uh before the day was over we had three of those boeing 707s there uh 137 is the military designation Mm -hmm. for that thing so clinton's plane got stuck and oh by the way i want to I want to mention this while it's in my head. There was an error in the News Gazette article. Yeah. Hey, whose error? Whose fault was that? Well, it must have been mine. 
all these years, I had been thinking the gentleman mentioned in the News Gazette article, Colonel Donnelly, mm-hmm. he was not actually the pilot of the plane that got stuck, uh, based on some things that I'd seen and, and some st- paperwork we'd gotten and whatnot some from the White House you know, commemorating the day. I made that assumption, and some others did too, but a good friend here in town who is in the know and would know uh, mentioned that to me the other day. So I called Bob Osmussen right away. We made the corrections mm-hmm. on the online version, but uh, Colonel, if you're if you're listening, if you're in the neighborhood, my apologies, and I'll take you to the beef house or something. But all these years, <laughs> I had the wrong name associated with that. Oh, wow! So we had the we had the three aircraft here that I, I call the executive fleet that flew mm-hmm. out of Andrews. So the uh, the plane got stuck, and you mentioned Doctor Taylor. I uh, found out the other day too that Doctor Taylor told him in a in an early meeting. You may remember this, John. He said, "Don't make that right hand turn. You will not make it." And he actually, I was not close to him when it happened, but he repeated that right when the the pilot started that. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, Doctor Taylor's a longtime old aviator that was at the airport, ran the institute, and everything. So I mean, if mm-hmm. if your grandfather says something, you should listen. You know. <laughs> yeah. Now the. Runway, runway at Air, at uh, Willard. How mm-hmm. how has the layout changed on at that time and now to now? Are there is there more? So that was. I mean, um, uh, the firehouse is right next door to Flight Star. Mm-hmm. Most folks know where that is. Mm-hmm. And then directly down ramp to Taxiway Alpha was the right hand turn. Okay. And since that time, it has been reconfigured to make it a more wider turn for larger aircraft because you float out of there yourself mm-hmm. on the charters with sure. the ball teams it could be some tight quarters in there yeah yep wow so anyway they land and then they've got uh, I, i've seen the footage of the president getting off the plane he's meeting all the dignitaries and shaking hands with the u of i president and chancellor and so does he go through where does he go after that well they, he got you? on they got in the those advanced cars that were okay. there okay. and then went to campus okay both he and and gore in the in the motorcade okay they just went out through that through the gate in the car yeah lots yeah. of cars lots of cars lots of cars yeah, yeah those, those black looking suburbans <laughs> that look yeah pretty yeah. cool yeah there there was a lot of you know a lot of black cadillacs suburbans guys talking in their sleeves a lot of that going yeah. on yeah, yeah. i well, got to so, get it sorry john i got to sit in one of the limousines the night before i was working Okay, and I caught a Secret Service man out on the ramp, and he was, but you know I'm not going to tell him no. He's a Secret Service guy, oh, so okay. he started a conversation and he invited me in and uh, showed me some of the things. Duplicate motorcades right down to the license plates on the beast that they call it. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really okay. cool stuff. Wow. So while all of this, while the the motorcade then goes to the assembly hall. What are you guys doing? So that's that's that was my lucky part, really, okay. really, really lucky part of the day. My phone rang, and it was uh, the advanced guys from Air Force One. Um, I'd taken them to the Illinois-Michigan basketball game on that Sunday. Uh, oh, okay. Dave Johnson was SID then. It's like, hey, Dave, I got these, uh, I got these guys. Can you hook me up on some tickets? Mm-hmm. So they said, hey, maybe Dave will get you on Air Force One. So for me, yeah, the big thrill was while those guys were on campus – uh, I got to go in Air Force One. So any, it was any pretty pictures? cool. You didn't take any pictures? No pictures. Any, no, pictures. no pictures. And you know, that movie, okay. that's just a few years after the Harrison Ford movie. Right. Um, but just, I mean, just to see this one area, the communications area, you know, like they're, this is for the president of the free world, and they're they're calling, you know, somebody in the Middle East. And uh, yeah. just really cool. I got my M&Ms 
I know Mike got presidential M&M's playing cards. Still got them. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's the original. So uh, just a fabulous wow. day. You know, blessed. Yeah. Not many people get to be on Air Force One. Right. Well, we're going to talk about some more of the day. If you have some memories of that day, if you were at the assembly hall and heard him speak, uh, you can certainly share that with us. Any thoughts uh, if you, I don't know, saw the motorcade go by or whatever it is, uh, we've got a couple of folks here in the building that are somewhat connected to this too. So we'll, we'll talk with them. But John Rector is with us. And also Mike Coble, as we remember the day uh, 25 years ago, coming up on Saturday. They've also got an event coming up where they're going to share stories and stuff. We'll tell you about that here in a moment. Let me get a break in back after this. Illini family, this is Brett Bielema. You've got the home of Illinois football. News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM. And finally, tonight many of us have had to deal with delays at the airport, but for President Clinton, it's something he's not used to. When Air Force One got stuck in the mud yesterday at Willard, it was like something right out of the movie. On that trip to Illinois, the President's plane got stuck in the mud off the runway. Again, you look at Air Force One sitting on the ground, uh, literally sitting on the ground at, uh, at uh, Willard Airport. It started out as a smooth trip took an unexpected turn. Flights are back on schedule at Willard Airport in Savoy today. Flights were delayed for about an hour when the president's plane got stuck in the mud after his visit to Champaign yesterday. Air Force One was stuck in the mud until about 1 o'clock this morning. Crews worked for several hours and eventually got a truck to pull the Boeing 707 out of the mud. Well, that plane is on its way back to Washington. Great. <laughs> Okay, well, that was some of the uh, the clips of the news coverage, Channel 3 and CBS. There's a longer video they put together, and uh, Karen York is in here because you were at Channel 3. Yes, I was. So who were some of those people that were on? Uh, Joe Mazin is Joe. that reporter that did that story, which is, yeah. you have to watch it. it he mm -hmm. did an amazing job. It's all over YouTube. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. Elaine Kagas, which is now Elaine Keanu, who is with CBS, mm -hmm. she was also there. Um, and Jennifer Roscoe. Really? A young Jennifer Roscoe, yeah. She yeah. was she was anchoring at that time, too. And Marta Carrera. Oh, wow. So there was a okay. a, a big group. But Joe, yeah, we, we laughed so hard <laughs> with that, that whole clip that he did. It's really and good. He, and he, he was so talented. He was, and he was just a great guy. To have around too, mm -hmm. so yeah. Now Karen York's in the room. John Rector and Mike Coble with us as we reminisce about 25 years ago is what we're talking about. So uh, Dave Shaw has told the story. Maybe you remember where the camera crew had. <laughs> they thought, okay, the president's on board. They're ready to go. We're leaving. Yeah, it's like okay, everybody can come back. We're done. The day's over, but not so much. So and then it turned out they up, couldn't get back in the uh, airport. No, I mean you know that clearance was over. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> They're not going to let you back in. So you're a TV crew, and you want to get footage of this plane stuck. And they got a great, they got great shots from I think from Montes off Monticello Road. Monticello Road. Yeah. So yeah. A, a bit off, yeah. but you know. Yeah. Dave Shaw was creative. Yes, he was. <laughs> but he, but uh, he always told get me that story. He always told me. He told his reporters from then on, do not. If it ever happens again, do not leave until right. you see the plane in the air. Right. So that was a lesson learned. Yeah. For sure. Wow. But yeah, it was it was a long day, as they yeah. have said. You know, but, one of the other cool things related to broadcasting, Karen, is Jack Penning was a very young man then, worked at this radio station, and and he was broadcasting live on WDWS, and his phone died. So I handed him mine, uh, and then he continued to broadcast live. Really, I dug him up the other day. It's like you know, that's a great thing about the internet. 
he works for an aviation consulting company and actually does some work for Willard Airport. Oh. And he just he got a real kick out of it. But you know, he was a, a young man at the time too, starting in his broadcast career and then mm-hmm. flipped to aviation. Mm-hmm. So right. just it's what just a coincidence. Like, like wow. Roscoe's still there. And I'm sure she remembers because <laughs> I if I remember right, she was one of the reporters that covered that too. Okay. Covered the whole day. The whole day. Wow. And was there. Okay. But yeah, so it's one thing I'll always remember. But yeah, if you get a chance, YouTube, it. Yeah. Joe did. And like we talked before, it wasn't like you could just go on the computer and go, oh, I'll pull that clip. I'll pull that clip. He had to actually get the movies. Right. And With then edit all. The, and right. right. All the ones that he used. And I mean, he just. Yeah. That took it's, him some time. It's a pretty it did. Funny video. But yeah. he was just so good at what he did and and i don't remember the other videographer that was there sorry about that but that helped hmm. joe get those together and wow. edit so okay when anyway. we would have visitors at the airport or the fire station or uh, some up fire classes that i taught i'd always pop that in the vcr <laughs> as an icebreaker to start things out you know <laughs> so yeah. i'm thinking this weekend yeah. well i'll take it with me i'm thinking well mm-hmm. nobody's got a vcr anymore well duh it's online yeah yeah you can do it that just search uh, air force one stuck yeah. in the mud, mud. it'll pop up it it'll, does yeah. for sure all right so. well thank you karen you're welcome pretty good she was on the uh, channel three side of things that's a great story we got a caller here so you got your headphones on so you oh. can hear this all right uh steve good morning hey morning brian um I yeah I was a senior in high school um, at Urbana and uh, so that day was you know kind of a big day. One of our classmates actually was on the tarmac and got to shake President Clinton's hand, and uh, there was a few of us that decided that we were going to go try to get to the airport and see the plane land or see the motorcade go by, but we were going to get in trouble because we had to leave school to do it. And you know <laughs> we told our we told our teachers like. We're going, we're, we're going. And I, you know, you think about like back then in 98, it's like, we didn't have cell phones. You didn't have like live news coverage, like in the school. It's like, how did we know when to get there and, and all that stuff? It's just like news kind of got around, but a few of us piled in the car. We left school. Uh, we, we went out to airport road and we were able to get right up to the railroad tracks and stand there. And there was a, it was either a, a county, uh, county officer or, or state trooper, that was, you know, kind of blocking the road there. But he let us stand there. And then the motorcade came. We were there for about 45 minutes. Motorcade came by. And sure enough, we saw President Clinton uh, wave through that, like, blue uh, glass in the car because it's so thick. It's like it looks blue. We see And he, he connect like, we saw him wave at us. And we thought that was the coolest thing. It was totally worth ditching school to go see the motorcade drive by. Um and then it, when the when the plane got stuck later again, it's I don't know how the news gets around the high school like that back then. But um, w- when the plane got stuck, I I wanted to see the plane because I thought, oh, it'll fly over our high school. Like I have no idea what way it's going to take off or whatever. <laughs> but we knew the plane got stuck. It was delayed, 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 and somehow we heard that it it was finally taking off, or he was finally taking off. And I ran out of class and ran to the parking lot. And I saw the plane fly over. I mean, you could, the the sound of that, the plane, because it was a bigger plane than we'd ever hear come into Willard. And uh, you, you'd you see the, the shiny uh, underbelly of it. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's the plane with the president on it. That's a pretty cool thing to see. 
Totally worth skipping class. Never got in trouble for it. <laughs> we never got in trouble. Yeah. Wow. Well, were there a lot of people watching the motorcade or just, I mean. Yeah, the, the spot that we were at, I don't know, there was like three of us in our car, and there was probably maybe a dozen people total that came out there to that spot. Um, I don't, it seemed like people, it was the middle of a work day, school day, so um, I don't know, unless people were going to the assembly hall to go to the, the event. Hmm. But yeah, wow. about a dozen people probably where we were, which was, I mean, that's right at the entrance to Willard. Right. Mm. Very good, Steve. Hey, those are great memories. Yep. Thank now, you. Now I get to now I get to tell on the radio. That, that was what it was worth. Twenty five years of holding that story in. There you go. There you go. That's <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you sharing that. That's yeah. Great. So, how long was it after when the plane got stuck? How long was it before they actually left? I mean, what, what transpired in the... Was so, it? Um, okay. Um, <coughs> pardon me, fighting a bit of Sorry. a cold. Mike Coble with us here. Go ahead. I'll stay over here so the That's voice okay. of the Illini doesn't get sick. <laughs> That's okay. We need you at the stay, at yeah. the games. Um, so the plane got stuck. Um, what time was that? Was that mid-afternoon, 2.30, 3 o'clock, somewhere in there. And uh, everybody, of course, started talking in their sleeves, and people started moving. And um, the backup plane, not another 707, um, was stationed at Grissom Air Base over by Kokomo for the day. And then uh, Kokomo, Ru- Kokomo, Indiana. Indiana, yeah. okay. Yeah. okay. And so um, uh, when they're getting ready to fire engines or somewhere in the process, that backup plane, I, I believe, is always in the air okay. for such a circumstance. Okay. And... Uh, they came down. He did his uh, he did his downwind on uh, Route 45, kind of right over the highway to get in quick. And I've never seen such a big piece of equipment be handled like a kid's toy. Mm. When he started his turn to final and finished, he was on the runway. Wow. Super cool to see. Yeah. So airplane nerds, Air Force One nerds, <laughs> the plane that came in, and I'm one of them, so I have to say this. When I saw the tail number on that plane, I just got super excited. Special Air Missions 26,000, or SAM 26, they call it, was the backup plane. So that airplane was the one that John Kennedy took to Dallas. Body came back on that plane. Johnson took the oath of office on that airplane. Nixon took it to China. And that thing flew about seven different presidents. So what an amazing piece of history to see. And I was telling the guys in the firehouse, look, 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 you don't, you don't get it. You know, look at that thing. <laughs> and uh, so um, they had already started taking things off of the airplane. And I'm not, this is about a week, right, John, before, after the Monica Lewinsky? Uh, the Monica story broke on Monday. This was on a Thursday. Yeah. Okay. And so I'll, the basketball game you took your friends to was on Sunday. Yes, sir. The Lewinsky story broke on Monday. Yeah. And this is on Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Busy time, busy yeah. time in the cornfield, yeah. right? Yeah. So uh, they were making preparations to move him to the backup aircraft. And I don't know if this is because of Monica, wink, wink, I'm not saying, but the Secret Service took every scrap of paper, every piece of garbage, every napkin off that plane that was stuck, bagged it up, and they put about six or seven different large garbage bags in the furnace room at the fire station and used probably about 10 miles of duct tape on the door. So somebody was going to come get it later, you know, yeah. look through it and all that. And 
and I'm I'm just joking here, but that they had to do something with it and secure yeah. it. So that that was yeah. the measure they took. So then they got wow. uh, got President Clinton off the plane. He gave everybody a cheer, threw his arms up in the air like, oh geez, what the heck? And they were off and out of here on their way to lacrosse. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we got another call here. Let's go to Terry. You're on with uh, John Rector and Mike Coble. Go ahead, Terry. Good morning, Brian. Uh, yes, uh, good morning also to Mike and John. I'm one of the retired profs out there at uh, Willard Airport, and my recall of that particular day was one that was very eerie. We always had 300-plus students in the flight program and over 100 students in the technical engineering program. And so as I was prepping my lecture notes to walk into a, a hall setting out there, I stepped out the back office door complex, and I was surprised and startled by somebody who literally just stepped out of the shadows. And there was this gentleman there with obviously the microphone and, and the chest, et cetera. And you get the picture, but he wanted to know where I was going and what I was doing. And so with lecture notes in hands, you know, you're sitting there kind of trembling a little bit. Obviously, we knew all this was going on, but it was still one of the uh, uh, unsuspected parts of just being present during all of this. So as I looked down the sidewalk, there was absolutely nobody on those sidewalks. And everyone, apparently, once I got to the hall and the, even the laboratories, were all told to stay inside. You couldn't go anywhere. So... Even the parking lots and stuff were completely isolated. I mean, the vehicles were there, but it was so quiet for an airport that's unbelievable. Now, that the second part of this story, the afternoon laboratory that I was conducting, I had Jerry Wallace and Ronnie Hillpiper walk in and said, we need your steel grates. And I said, what? And that's when the information reached my ears that the presidential plane was stuck in the mud and I happen to have about six sections of this portable generated airfield steel grates that they used in World War II. As you may have seen many stories of how the Seabees went in and built these, you know, immediate airports uh, with these steel grates are about two feet wide and about 10 foot long and they're perforated steel. And they're like Legos, you assemble them and put them together to make a instantaneous airport okay so with that being said these guys were confiscating my steel grates from outside of my laboratory which were all part of world war ii surplus material anyway but that's the way my day went so i'm calling the guys now to ask him for my steel grates back <laughs> john i know who you are and i remember those names and you have just closed another piece of the puzzle for me we were wondering where those came from Yes, I don't, I don't have right. them. I don't know where they are, buddy. <laughs> well, I bet they're folded a big U, U channel right now. That's I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, and, yeah, what it, and the it, rest of the day, of course, was uh, just about as exciting because I remember seeing all of the top security people. I remember going home there at the uh, Savoy intersection of Church Street and Neal or, or Route 45 when there were uh, armed parties on top of that elevator there at Savoy. I mean, it was just very eerie, but uh, what a day. You'll never wow. forget it. Yeah. Wow. That is amazing. Well, thanks it for letting is. us know about all that, Terry. That's that's great stuff. 
You're, you're welcome. Talk to you later and hey. enjoy your program, Brian. Thank you, Terry. Bye. Yeah, very good. Very good to have you with us. 941, John Rector, Mike Coble were uh, living back, uh, going back in the Wayback Machine 25 years ago <laughs> to uh, January 28, 1998. We're a couple of days away from the 25th anniversary of that. Uh, 941, and we've got Nancy on the line. Hi, Nancy. Hey, good morning, guys. How are you? Good. Uh, Michael might recognize my voice. Yeah, I think he did. He whispered it's his sister. Never heard of you. <laughs> it, it is, and, and in listening to you all, it reminded me of a story. Uh, and unfortunately, Mike wasn't with the rest of the family. But we had taken a trip to Florida to show you how far-reaching this story became and how popular. Oh, get comfortable. Uh, it's back. a Coble story. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I, I gotta, I gotta go here in a minute. But uh, so we stopped in not, uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee, at a gas station on the way home, and the gentleman that worked there noticed the license plate. Oh, you're from Illinois. Well, whereabouts in Illinois? I said, Oh, Central Illinois. I said, You ever hear of the University of Illinois? Champagne. He says, Champagne, that's where the president's airplane got stuck in the mud. <laughs> and, and after that, that was within a year. It wasn't right away after this incident happened. But after that, when my sister and I would go places and travel, uh, you mentioned U of I, Champagne. Oh, the president's plane got stuck in the mud. And so hearing you guys reminded me of that story. So it wow. was very far reaching. Yeah. Well, thank you, Nancy. Any other stories you want to tell on uh, Mike here? I mean, he's, you know. No, oh, she, we don't have uh, that kind of time. Uh, okay. Yeah, she said she's got to go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but call me sometime. We'll chat. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, right, Nancy. You guys have a great day. Appreciate it. I was looking through all the stories. CNN was reporting on it. Uh, yeah. You know, all the different networks. John, you were what, handling a lot of national PR, right? Trying to. Yeah, it was, it was really interesting. My, my initial job was to host the local and national media we had a flatbed truck out there so they could be up you know shoot camera and then at, obviously late in the day it kind of flipped and i was feeding them information yeah what kind of stuff what do you remember about that i mean were you i mean you, they didn't, just, you didn't have, you have a cell phone then or not had a cell phone okay. but they just they just wanted information you know they wanted updates some of the people had gone back or you know we're off site by that time it's like hey is the plane out yet is the plane out yet and and mike could attest too it's like our people at willard could have gotten it out but they had to bring in their people their equipment you know understand they want they wanted to pull it out they didn't want mike and the operations people the president's people wanted yeah yeah yeah. and that's why they brought in their equipment i see to, there, to pull it out. There was a recovery team from Andrews Air Force Base I see. that came, and that's where that fleet is is based, and they came in and, and did all the work. And the panels Terry was talking about, you may have seen them uh, in war movies and things. You could put down a temporary runway. Mm-hmm. And, and so they got ahead of the landing gear that was stuck, and it was up to the spindle, so that's probably a good two feet. Mm-hmm. It's just not moving. And so they dug down ahead of it and kind of built an incline to get it back up. They put a little gravel down, and then these panels that Terry was talking about, they put a a wheel loader, big wheel loader on the front. Those guys brought a tow bar with them for that airplane. And uh, they put a second one on that gear that was stuck. And I'm sure there's attaching points on there, but I'm sure there was a carefully placed chain of some kind that they used so in unison, they took those two wheel loaders and got it up on the 
on the uh, taxiway alpha out there. And then the pictures you see in that stuck in the mud video, you'll still see one of them moving it around. So did we have a lot of rain before or a lot of snow? Was, what what it, made it so muddy? It was unseasonably warm. I mean, mm. you know, again, this is January and, you know, I was going back through the Bob Asmussen had it in the article the other day. I want to say it was in the 40s. So the grand was thawed. Just soft. So if it would have been frozen hard, we wouldn't be sitting here we, now. <laughs> that's right. Wouldn't be on this world. Wouldn't be on this show. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, somebody wanted to know how they got the plane out of the mud, wrecker, crane, shore under the wheels. You just talked about that. Uh, somebody said in a text, they actually flew in the old 707, not the new 747, because the airport in Wisconsin couldn't accommodate the larger plane. That's right, yeah. Okay. That's, that's so the way the, we understand it. So the yeah. replacement plane, is that what they're saying, was a 707? Yeah, so all three all three planes that were here that day, um, Al Gore's and then the two Clinton had, were both. they're all 707s. Because they were uh, going to Wisconsin. Yeah, and the, and the 747... They couldn't take it up in lacrosse, we understand. So that's where they were hmm. headed from here. The Harrison Ford movie depicted the 747, somebody yep. says. Okay. I used to drive by the airport every day going to the U of I. How many advanced flights were you say were there? Seemed like there was a lot of planes parked there in before the visit. Well, they, they brought in equipment at different times. I can't remember when, maybe seven days before Mike, you know, when, the, when they started bringing the vehicles in. I don't remember. Uh, seems like the motorcade vehicle showed up maybe uh, two days before. Mm-hmm. I think I said one before, mm-hmm. but I think at two days now. And, uh, you know, when uh, Joe Biden was here, Gore, uh, years before this particular day, they would do that. They'd bring in those teams. And uh, it's interesting to see how much attention, pomp, and circumstance and all the logistics the president has versus the vice president versus maybe if the a chief of staff of one of the military groups come in mm. not to downplay any of those positions they're it's just different they're, yeah yeah uh-huh. different levels they all get a lot of different attention wow all right jim here good morning hey go ahead uh, i've always wondered uh what happened to the pilot <laughs> i knew someone would ask this it always pops up um i don't i don't know if you heard the whole segment but uh uh there was some bad information I gave the News Gazette. We thought it was uh, Colonel Donnelly that was the plane pilot that got stuck. That wasn't the case. We don't actually know who the pilot was, and mm. uh, and that's okay. Don't need to know. Um, but um, I honestly, since we don't know who the pilot was, we don't know what really happened afterwards, I would guess, and it's just a guess, it's like any aviation incident. He's out of the seat for a while. They investigated and so on and so forth. So, mm. to be honest with you, I really don't have an answer for you. Hmm. All right, Thank Jim. You. Thank you. Did you have to file a lot of paperwork after all this? I didn't. With no. Oh, you know what though? <laughs> with I, the FAA I, I, or anything? I, you or? know, anytime we do a run out there at Willard, be it an in-flight, you know, just unsafe gear or anything, anytime the the bat phone rings, we do a report. So I actually did do. A, a full-length uh, report on the incident, yeah. Hmm. All right, 948. I better get a break in here. My producer's going to be happy with me here. Back in a moment with John Rector, Mike Coble, reminiscing 25 years ago. We'll tell you about their little event they're doing here this weekend on the anniversary, 25 years ago, of Air Force One stuck in the mud here at Willard. Back in a moment. <laughs>
9.51, as we look back 25 years ago, coming up this weekend, when Air Force One was here and then got uh, stuck in the mud, President, uh, President Bill Clinton, Vice President Al Gore both spoke at the Assembly Hall at the time. Looked at I, the clips of it, there was a big crowd there. I think it was jammed. I imagine. And, yeah, and uh, Mike Hale tells me Tony Clements was the opening, the opening act. Okay. Leading up to the, <laughs> and at the end, I guess, is what uh, what Mike tells me. Uh, we'll talk about the gathering here as we look back. Their article, if you missed it, was in the News Gazette a couple of days ago. Uh, somebody said regarding the 98 Clinton visit and didn't the Lewinsky news break right about then. Yep, that's that's true. Uh, I was nine years old. While I don't recall much of how I felt, I remember how excited my dad was to spend the day with us and giving us the chance to see the president only. Well, that's for, cool. For us as ticket holders to be turned away, I believe, the stadium or the armory to watch it on a screen. I didn't know they had. They must have had overflow. They, they had a backup. I was thinking it was empty. They had. They okay. did have overflow. Okay. To watch the the speech, uh, speeches. I'll never forget how disappointed my dad was. I guess they had to watch it on the screen, as opposed to be in there. And let's see. Interesting how speakers, as they were higher in political hierarchy, were so much better at public speaking. Uh, there were several people that spoke that day at the um, at the assembly hall. All right, we got another call here, and then we'll talk about Monaco's Pizza coming up here. Uh, Nine fifty-two. This is Pat. Hi, Pat. Hi. Hey. Go ahead. I, I was all right. I, I was I was around the area back when the president landed, and I went to the corner of the property and parked my truck there, and you know we had the chain link fence around it. And we're just looking through it through the fence and a sheriff's deputy. I had my truck completely off the road and a sheriff's deputy came to me and said, hey, you got to move. And I said, what? I'm not blocking anything. You just and he said, yeah, you have to vacate the property. So they 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 did a good job of security that day. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Wouldn't let uh, anybody staying around, standing around. Yeah. No, 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 and and then and then I understand you have John Rector there. Yes, we do. John, this is Pat Troyer. How are you? Hey, good, buddy. Hey, good. We we used to race those HO cars back in the day at CU Raceways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and an, and another good Centennial yeah. alum. We got the Centennial Central Urbana thing going today. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, man, it's good to, good to talk to you, Brian. I, I'm a first-time caller, so, yeah. Well, yeah. thank you, Pat. I appreciate you taking the time. That's all right. Ad, avid listener. Well, okay? thank you. We appreciate that. Yeah, and then, and then uh, I'm an electrician, and back in the day we did a, uh, uh, a remodel for Mike and Linda Hale. Really? Uh, at their house. Yeah, they put a, we put a room addition on it, and then I wired it. Oh, so Mike knows me, too. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I'm yeah. guessing the wiring's right. still working good, so that's good. Right, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. Good to hear from you. Thank you, Pat. Yep, Thank Gr- you. great Bye-bye. to hear from you. Yeah, anything else you guys remember about that day? Well, I mean, that oh, stands man. out when you think about it. I mean. I got, yeah, I got a cool story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is this a Cob- is this a Coble story? Yeah, I'm not sure yeah, how much time sorry, we we're have. We're at 9:54, so just <laughs> you get the condensed version. Yeah, okay. so it's a Coble story. Get comfortable. Yeah. yeah. So uh, uh, I had worked uh, the evening before. Was there most of the day, and I came back. See, when you're that crash rescue security specialist, one 
you had to work a night shift, right? Okay. So, uh, I came back in for a little bit. John Smith, our former chief at the firehouse, was there. One of the garage guys came flying up to the fire station about, I don't know, 500 feet or so from the stuck plane. Sticks his head in the door, and he yells with some severe urgency, they need a crash truck at the or at the plane now. And I look at John, and I, I'm going, okay, I'm out the door, and I'm thinking, here's my 15 minutes of fame coming, boy. There's something going on out there. The f- plane's on fire. I get a save, Air Force One. You know, that's all I was thinking. I was focused, man. Yeah. So as I pull up to the thing, I don't see any fire. I don't see anybody running around. I don't see anybody hurt, anything like that. One of the uh, recovery team members walks up to the the window of the truck. He goes, hey, could you pull a hand line off and just kind of wet that mud? We want to clean it off to inspect the gear. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well. No fame that day. No fame that day, yeah. (laughs) A couple of quick texts, and we'll talk about your event this weekend. Good morning. Anyone mentioned the plane Clinton left on was the same plane that brought Kennedy entourage from Dallas. Yes, on November 22nd, 1963. We got that in. Yep. And Clinton and Gore actually went to Empey after the assembly hall in order to shake hands. Oh, wow. Tom Kasich and I were at Empey. Good deal. So there you go. There's where the Empey comes in. Okay, you're getting people together what, so, on Saturday, right? So Mike Coble said every we were always going to do this. You know, like every five years we talked about this. So, I did uh, say that. Yeah, you did say that. So <laughs> every five years, I we're, we're going to do it. It's like, my gosh, it's it's twenty five years. So he tracked me down, and uh, we've been working on this and doing our thing this uh, this week promoting it. And uh, anyway, go ahead. You can tell them uh, what we're doing Saturday yeah, at twelve noon. Got a couple minutes okay. here. Go ahead. All right. So Saturday at noon, noon to roughly one thirty, because there's right there's an Illinois game at two. Two. Yep. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, the Monocles Pizza in Tolono, those guys have been awesome. They opened their doors up to a gathering of us folks that were there that day or, you know, prior to, had a hand in the event before, during, and after. Mm-hmm. And it's turning into a really neat reunion, uh, especially with the airport airport, airport folks because mm-hmm. a lot of them have retired since that mm-hmm. time. So some of our law enforcement agencies, people from the university, the EMS folks, the fire, just everybody that had a hand in it, uh, we're going to gather and and uh, I've encouraged everybody to bring some commemorative items they may have picked up from the Secret Service or uh, some sto- definitely some stories to tell or pictures they take hmm. of the day. Yep. Well, that'll be a lot of fun. Pizza, pizza and salad at Monocles in, in Tolono mm-hmm. at 12 noon on a Saturday before the Illini game. Mm-hmm. Hang out with some fun people. So yeah. super excited. Just uh, uh, thanks for having us, Brian. Yeah. This is oh, we this appreciate is awesome. it. Yeah. Now, did you invite specific people to this, or if well, anybody's it start, listening, it started was, out that way. Okay. Um, if, <laughs> but, if, but if somebody was at the worked at the airport or whatever, yeah, definitely. If there's yeah. anybody we missed, by all means, mm-hmm. come. We'd love to see you. Sorry, we didn't, you know, remember to remember you specifically, <laughs> but we had a ton of people on the list. So hopefully, yeah. we got a hold of you and uh, lunch is on your own. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be. But the room, the room's great. So at noon to one thirty, you said. Yes, sir. Is that right? On Saturday. Yep. Oh, that'll be the exact day anniversary of the day the day yeah maybe that's why we waited so it would be like on a that was it that's exactly it that was it cannot believe it's been 25 years it's like oh my gosh where's where does time go so quickly well thanks for coming in guys this was a lot of fun brian yeah thanks uh, everybody for calling in yeah even my sister even your sister can we come back in five years (laughs) yeah sure let's do it we'll keep talking about it i mean why not it doesn't happen every day right absolutely you got you had that day, and you had the day the Bears and Packers were here for Monday Night oh Football, my God. which is yeah. a whole other 
Somebody talked real quick. Somebody mentioned about number of planes on the ramp. Uh, Matt from Flight Star could tell us, him and Mike are buddies. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were 270-some aircraft on the ramp for that Packers Monday Packers night Bears. game. Yeah, there's yeah. a photo out there that yes, shows that. It was crazy. That's pretty cool. Yeah. All right, thank you, Mike Colville. I appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. And John Rector, thank you. We'll see you. you around these parts as we go. Uh, 217-356-9397 is the number. Keep that in mind for hour number two, which is ahead. The text line as well, 217-351-5357. And you can email us, talk at wdws.com. We'll have more to, on this a little bit, a couple of memories from that day 25 years ago. But we've got the news coming up from CBS, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana at the tone. It's 10 o'clock. It's the second hour of A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS. You can join in on the phone, via text, or online. Our phone number is 217-356-9397. Or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Or send an email to talk at WDWS.com. Now, here again, Brian Barnhart. All right, 10.09 on a penny for your thoughts here on this Thursday. Tomorrow we will have an open line at the start on Friday, and then in the 10 o'clock hour we'll have Flashback Friday in between uh, Brad Eukin, who's been the manager of the Champaign County Farm Bureau the last few years. He is moving up to Wisconsin. And we'll learn more about that. You can thank him for his uh, service in that area in our community with all the farmers and all the ag-related situations he's been involved with over the years. Had a great time here with uh, John Rector and Mike Coble talking about the Air Force One getting stuck in the mud. And they had the big gathering at the Assembly Hall then for uh, President Clinton and for uh, Vice President Al Gore at the time. And I guess overflow. I was not around here at the time, so this is I'm just reading what people are telling me, reading the stories about it. Apparently, uh, I had a text here. It said, Clinton and Gore made a stop at the Impey building to speak to the folks who had tickets that were not able to get into the assembly hall. Okay, well, that would explain that. Uh, also, I had a text. I mentioned Tony Clemens, the late Tony Clemens. is said, I worked at U of I Campus Recreation was Tony Clement's secretary. I'll remember the excitement of President Clinton and Gore being here. I was at Assembly Hall when Tony had the privilege of doing the warm-up act prior to introducing the president. Such an exciting day from beginning to end. And in parentheses, stuck in the mud. <laughs> so, yeah, as the, as the day turned out. So, yeah, any memories you can remember from that day? We had some great ones there. You can certainly continue to send those in. I've got a clip from the actual... Uh, event inside the assembly hall i found so i'll have that for you here in just a little bit Ten eleven at dws let's go to the phones alan is with us hey good morning alan good morning brian uh if i recall i think the pilot got basically fired from the air force and he was never allowed to fly a plane again for him again it, yeah they didn't know uh mike had mentioned he didn't know what happened to the pilot so you're saying that's what you heard Oh, yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure that's what happened. Uh, they released him, and they never flew a plane for Air Force again. Hmm. Basically, they demoted him. Uh, basketball, it was a good win there tonight, uh, mm-hmm. much needed. 
they're all much needed now. I think we're going to have a badger by the tail uh, Saturday because uh, Wisconsin's not playing very well, and when they get home, they're going to be pretty tough to beat. I saw them play last night. Hepburn didn't have a good game. Wall didn't have a good game. But they'll come back and uh, be pretty rough on us. Well, uh, just uh, just from the standpoint of fresher legs, we'll have the fresher legs because they just played last night, and they played on well, Monday. And they played on I Monday. Hope yep. What's the status of Luke Goody? I'm just getting right. It's kind of like if I describe it like this, it's like he's not on the interstate, but he's on the ramp to get on the interstate. Is about where he's at. Okay. So. <laughs> well, if it goes much longer, is it going to be any, do any good to have him play this year? Or how's the red how's the red shirt rules work this year or now? Well, he hasn't he's played doing? at all, so I assume you could get a medical red shirt. I would think. Well, yeah, but I mean, if he played a few games and then all of a sudden, you know, it wasn't working out, yeah, would he still get it? See, I've had people tell me two different things. I've heard people say that, no, once they're in, that's it. I've also heard people say they changed it a couple of years ago to where that's a certain per- certain percentage of games is what I think is the latest one. But, but um, I, was wondering, I know what it is in football, but I wasn't sure yeah. what it is in basketball. Yeah, and I don't know. I can't remember um, – you know, in football, it's four games. I guess if you play, you can play yeah. four games and and get redshirted. And I, I thought, and I could be wrong, but I thought because I looked this up the other day that there's like a certain percentage, and I don't know what it is in yeah. basketball. So, uh, you wouldn't happen to have the time start for the record games on February 11th, would you? It's on a Saturday. Yeah, I don't have it. I can look it up. Well, the reason why. I- I got a tournament I'm supposed to do that morning, and if the game is noon, I won't be able to do that. So I was kind of curious what the time start was. Well, let me let me see if I call it Illini basketball schedule. See more. One o'clock. Oh boy. One o'clock. Yep. Okay. Sorry about that. No problem. I'll probably just have to give my games go. I want to see that one because I think that'll be. That's going to be a dandy. Yeah, Rutgers may be uh, the consensus. People I've talked to, you know, that cover all this, think Rutgers may be the second best team in the league after Purdue. Yeah, I so, think they might be. I think that but may be right. You get in their bench; they're kind of weak, but the first mm-hmm. five are pretty, pretty solid. Mm-hmm. And they guard you like crazy. Yep, they're pretty good at that. Yep. That's all I got, Brian. All right, hey, thank you. Yep. Appreciate bye. it. Yeah, good to hear from you, Alan. Two one seven three five six nine three nine seven. Somebody else texted in and said you can double check, but my understanding is the pilot for Bill Clinton that day was taken off his post while they investigated, but he was in fact reinstated as an Air Force One pilot, retired with the same title later. Okay, so uh, somebody texting that in, so we appreciate that. All right, uh, let's see here. Where do I go next? Oh, yeah, Illini women playing tonight at 7 against Purdue. Had the Big Ten games last night. Allen mentioned it. Wisconsin went to Maryland and got beat. Now, they just played Northwestern on Monday, and Northwestern had had COVID issues, so that game had been pushed from Saturday to Monday. And then on uh, Monday, they played at Northwestern. Then they got on the plane and hopped. I think they just left from Northwestern, went to Maryland and played last night, and now they're coming back, so their legs might be a little um, wobbly, I would hope, on Saturday. 
for Illinois and Wisconsin. Nebraska lost at home to Northwestern. Northwestern, I think, is going to make the tournament. I think so at this point. And then the other game was Minnesota was down three of their regulars, including Dawson Garcia, one of their best players, who we saw up at the barn here recently. He's a really good player. They had three of their guys out, and they zoned Indiana, and they just about beat them. Fell a couple of points short at the barn last night. 10-16, back with more texts and emails and a little clip from the day that Bill Clinton and Al Gore spoke at the Assembly Hall. The uh, Lanai Band got some pub in there. We'll talk about that after this. Ten eighteen, excuse me, on a penny for your thoughts as we come your way here on this Thursday. We'll do our flashback Friday in the ten o'clock hour. We got a Monday morning quarterback show coming up on Monday. Kevin Kugler is going to join me. He's um, you see him on BTN and Fox, and he's on Westwood One. He uh, has been involved uh, with NFL uh, on Fox this year as one of their uh, play-by-play guys. And we'll talk to him about the Super Bowl matchup whenever we get to that. Of course, you got the 49ers and the Eagles, and you got the Bengals and the Chiefs playing each other. Roofs by Roger, if you need some work done on your roof, make sure you uh, contact these folks. They do a great job for you. So give them a call. Go to Roofs by Roger, R-O-D-G-E-R. Roofsbyroger.com is the website. And right now, obviously, there's not a whole lot of work being done, I wouldn't think. As far as big roofing jobs, that's more of a spring and summertime thing. But um, work on gutters and gutter guards and windows, and, and they can get you on the list for next year as far as a roof, and they can help finance it too as far as getting that going. So anyway, make sure you uh, contact Roofs by Roger if you need some roof work done or a new roof entirely. Roofsbyroger.com. 1020 at DWS. Steve joins us here next. Hi, Steve. Hello, Brian. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Excellent. Hey, I got a little bit of a information about the Air Force One pilot that's been tossed around. Yes. I was stationed out at Andrews uh, in the 89th Airlift Wing prior to this happening, and uh, I knew the guy uh, who was uh, supposedly the pilot on uh, Air Force One, Mark Donnelly. He, uh, in fact, was the presidential pilot at the time but not qualified in the 707 he came up uh and and flew the gulf streams before he became a presidential pilot and they're only allowed to be qualified on two airplanes at a time so if they need the 707 then they'll they'll take a uh, a pilot from the first airlift wing and or the first airlift squadron and have them fly that particular mission so that individual um, was removed from flying uh, presidential and vice presidential missions. He didn't fly any more special air missions, um, but he was returned to flying in general. So mm-hmm. um, hmm. I just thought I would clear that up. Though. Yeah, yeah, because somebody had mentioned that, and we had, and uh, Mike Cobalt here, and he had he had told the paper he thought it was Connolly, but it was not Connolly that day. 
Um, and then it was another pilot, and he didn't know where it was. And then somebody said, well, they thought that they had been let go. But then I've had a couple people tell me now, just as you did, that, um, you know, he was back eventually. So, yeah. Um, well, I, interestingly enough, I, I was the commander of the squadron that that pilot was in before I came here and uh, actually hired the guy that was the pilot that day. And uh, uh, I know that he he was no longer allowed to fly the special air missions, but he did get back to flying uh, for the Air Force. Hmm. He did. He chose not to stay long. He got out and uh, flew elsewhere. But Interesting. Well, I'm curious how that works. Maybe you can tell me. I mean, how does one get even to be? You say, I know, I know you mentioned they're trained on certain things to get to that level, but, I mean, do you, do you set out as a pilot to, I'm going to fly Air Force One. I mean, how do you even get there? How do you get close well, to that? I mean, yeah. You can have that as a goal. You, you you learn to fly in the Air Force in a regular squadron doing whatever, uh, you know, flying a cargo airplane or a tanker or even a even a, a fighter or a bomber or something like that. And then you, you can interview to go to the 89th Air Wing at Andrews, and there's two squadrons, fixed-wing squadrons, that are there, the uh, first airlift squadron, which is the one I was the commander of, flies. At the time, we flew the 707s, uh, and the, the Little Bird squadron, we called it the 99th airlift squadron, flew C9s and Gulfstreams at the time. So you're assigned to one of those squadrons, and then if you do well there, you can be asked or you can... Uh, you know, work with the presidential pilot's office, which is its own little unit, hmm. and get an opportunity to to fly with them or to at least interview with them. And so you you, you work your way up that way. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I'm always fascinated by things like that because it doesn't just, you know, it didn't just happen. So some, <laughs> something happens to get you to that point. So Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's pretty Another cool. Another maybe interesting thing is during the Reagan days, I was, I traveled with his advance team, similar to what Mike Koval mentioned about the advance team shows up, you know, three or four days in advance. Well, I was the Air Force representative on that, uh, you know, that team of people on the advance team uh, in Reagan's days. Hmm. And uh, one of the things that surprised me when I heard that um, the, the vice president's airplane was allowed to leave before the president's because when we did this in Reagan's days, if, if the president and the vice president were at the same location, the, the president always, always, always left first, hmm. specifically for that reason, in case there was a problem with the president's airplane, he would take the vice president's airplane and the vice president would be the one that got stuck. Hmm. Uh, as I look at the itinerary, it's it's just weird that they were both at, you know, the university, and then they both went to Wisconsin, and they wanted the vice president to arrive first, and then the president to arrive 15 minutes later. Hmm. And uh, so I guess they worked it out. But, you know, back in Reagan's days when I was doing it, that never would have happened. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. How many years did you do that? Well, I did it for four years, uh, okay. which was some of the best best assignment I had, followed shortly by being the commander of one of the 89th Airlift Squadron. Mm. Wow, what a career. 
That's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate your insight on that. That's good stuff. All right. Thanks. Very good. All right. There you go. There's someone that is in the know, as we say. 1025 here on a penny for your thoughts, uh, DWS. All right. I pulled a clip. It goes probably three minutes, and we'll take this to the bottom of the hour. Basically, uh, it's inside the assembly hall. I think the university provided all this. Uh, it's a packed assembly hall, and Al Gore is there. Uh, he was introduced. I think Dick Durbin was there and Carol Mosley Braun and the mayors of Champaign and Urbana and the president and the chancellor, and there's all these folks that spoke. Uh, but anyway, this clip, I think, starts with Al Gore introducing the president and then the uh, band, the Illini band, marching Illini or the, the pep band, basketball band or whoever it was, uh, they started playing and Clinton was about ready to speak and he just paused and he was he was smiling and he was like, wow, this is cool. And then eventually he talked for a second or so about uh, the pep band and so forth. So this goes about three minutes. Here's what it was like, I guess, inside the assembly hall. So here you go. I am now pleased to introduce the man who has brought us this far and will help us finish our journey to the 21st century. He is the president of the country. He is also my friend. And I want to ask you now, every single one of you, to join me in supporting him and standing by his side. I give to you the president of the United States of America, William Jefferson Clinton. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. <clears throat> Well, thank you, thank you. I was uh, just sitting here thinking two things. First, when the vice president got really warmed up, I thought to myself, first, it will become slightly obvious to this audience that he and I come from a little further south in the United States. 
And then, uh, then I was thinking, when he really got going, I, I wish I had people walking the aisles passing the plate. You know, it was amazing. I thought we uh, ought to have an invitation or something. <laughs> anyway, the second thing I thought in the midst of this wonderful event was that I, I wished I could take the pep band with me for the next month or two. Where do I go? Thank you. Anyway, you can uh, you can Google all that if you uh, President Clinton, uh, Vice President Gore in Champagne, and they've they've got a whole YouTube the whole ceremony if you'd like to see it. But anyway, that was from that day, and of course later in the day the the plane got stuck in the mud, as we all know. All right, Scott Beatty, yes sir. So that was my senior year of high school, but the mm-hmm. next fall fall of '98, I came here to U of I and I joined the Marching Illini, and that was the Marching Illini that performed, and that phrase that he said was part of the lore of the band. I mean, that was talked about, and you knew mm-hmm. that as soon as you arrived for, for camp in August, mm-hmm. the president wanted to take the band with him, and that became, <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, you know, that was a, a, a feather in our caps, so to speak, a plume in the caps mm-hmm. of the Illini. <laughs> so when, would, that, would the people in that, would that have been the marching Illini or yeah. the basketball band? Or it was would, the marching Illini. Marching Illini, As far okay. as I know, yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe it was a subset, but yeah. my understanding was they had a lot of band members there. Okay. And that was also, for those who remember Gary Smith, that would have been mm-hmm. his last year in, involved with the Marching Illini okay. as the director. So, yeah. Kind of anyway, cool to yeah. hear it, though, you know. I mean, yeah. and, and I, don't, I don't know if they were going to play that long. They pl- started playing that song that they played at all the games all the time. Yeah. Well, and, and then the it, president paused and he just kind of stepped over there and he was kind of blown away by it. I well, and, and Clinton, you may remember, played the saxophone and mm-hmm. did so on television when he was campaigning. But he he enjoyed music mm-hmm. and in particular bands. So, uh, I'm you know, I'm sure he was playing to the crowd a little bit, but it it worked. <laughs> well, there was a sequence of events there. Of course, you had the State of the Union, which is why they were on the road. He yeah. and Al Gore together. Yeah, the Lewinsky story broke. I think our guest said on like Monday, yeah, and then he was here on Thursday. Yep, and he gets stuck in the mud uh, at the airport there uh, with the plane. All, and the next day, day, I turned eighteen. Yeah, and you turned. <laughs> <laughs> and he was in Kenosha, Kenosha, I think it was after that. I think it's where they were going up to Wisconsin for their next. I heard Lacrosse. Uh, La Lacrosse, yeah. you're right. Not not La Kenosha. But yeah, La Crosse. But it was it was a big deal yeah. that Clinton came here and and then oh he wanted to take the band with him. You know, yeah, it's pretty cool. Everyone's pretty proud of that. Very good. Thank you, sir. All right. That was kind of a cool moment. Thank you. 1032. Let's go to CBS News, get the latest from them, and back with more here in a moment. Ten thirty-seven. On a uh, penny for your thoughts. Good to have you with us here today. Had a lot of fun uh, reminiscing about uh, twenty-five years ago, January twenty-eighth, nineteen ninety-eight. Whew, is that twenty-five years ago? 
217-356-9397, the day the Air Force One got stuck in the mud here at Willard Airport. And we're talking about the event. Uh, text line, a couple of texts come in here on this. Uh, thank you for sharing the clip from Clinton's time at the Assembly Hall. I was there that day, a guest of Champaign Central High School. We were in the overflow room at Empey. It was still pretty special. As a student, I was impressed both with what Bill and Al said, but also the gunpowder outside. I remember seeing sniper men above Memorial Stadium as we walked to the overflow. They did come speak in Empey, too, and shook hands. It was very special. All right, appreciate that uh, memory. Yeah, we just had the clip of a little bit of the, the pep band or the, the band that was there for the uh, Illini, and uh, <laughs> Clinton seemed to enjoy that quite a bit. Uh, another text says, my husband was working at Parkland and scored two tickets for the open seating area. He took our eight-year-old daughter out of school to attend. Because of it being first come, first first, uh, first serve for seats, they got in line at 3 a.m., and they were the first in line to get in. The Secret Service had a trailer stationed right by the entrance for their use. It was cold that morning, and they felt sorry for our daughter standing in the cold, so they let her sit in the trailer with other Secret Service agents. Wow, never would happen in our world today. And somebody mentioned you should have the guy, Steve, that called in as a guest sometime. Yeah, I, th I was thinking that. Yeah, he would have a lot of great stories. Uh, this listener says, I imagine he would have some interesting stories. Yes, he would. So, yeah, I so appreciate that. And, yeah, Steve, if you're interested, just let me know. <laughs> we can talk about your career a little bit and stories if you'd like to share that. That's uh, up to you. Just reach out to me here at the station. All right, 217-356-9397, We go back there to John. Good morning, John. Good morning. How are we doing today? Good. How are you? Doing well. Hey, I've got a couple little input on that Air Force One getting stuck. Yeah. Uh, I, was, I was sitting on the, in the planning meetings. Uh, Mike had mentioned earlier I worked at the airport and uh, – had a couple uh, individual conversations I found interesting. One of them was, uh, well, let me let me give the public comment first that Air Force One would not have got stuck had they followed the Institute of Aviation's director's guidance. He was a psychologist. Uh, him and Rudy Frasca spoke between the before the Queen on science, and uh, anyway, Doctor Taylor told them. Don't go that way, the way they were proposing. Go this way, and it would have been a lot easier maneuver. But uh, there's two Air Force captains that are given a, a detail to measure out all the movements and everything. Everything with the presidential's plane is choreographed in advance. There's no radio communication with the tower. Uh, there's air separation with other aircraft. So it's quite an event, but... They were told not to do that, and two captains on the advance team planned, planned the route, and that's how we got stuck. Mm, yeah, I think yeah. Mike mentioned something about that, that, yeah, they had it marked out the way it was supposed to happen, and they yeah, didn't do I it. I apologize. So. I didn't catch all the shows. Yeah. The other ones that they, they would not have mentioned was in the planning meeting, there was a large man that was not paying attention at the table and at some point even put his head down was sleeping, and so that kind of – piqued my interest like okay who is this guy 
So on a break, I, I went to him and I said, okay, so what, what's your job? He didn't tell me his title or position, but he says, I'm the option man. I said, okay, what's the option man? And if you remember, Bill Clinton was notorious of going off script. The option man had a unmarked vehicle and somehow don't know the particulars, but if Bubba wanted to go to McDonald's for a cheeseburger, which he wasn't supposed to eat or other things, um, that was what his duty was. He'd get Bill Clinton in the car, and they'd go whatever, do whatever Bill wanted to do. Really? So I guess he would have had that all over the country probably then, right? Well, and yeah, this this driver I'm sure traveled with him, uh, or he had a number of them, because like they said, this Willard was not the only stop that day. And uh, that was a private conversation. I'll I'll save one for our Saturday get-together, and uh, hmm. I, I wish I could have heard the whole show, but I'll go back in the podcast and, and listen to the events of the day. Well, you can, you can uh, yeah, definitely do that, listen to the podcast, because it was a lot of fun. When they had the planning meetings, where would they have done those? In the airport office or? I mean, what? Yeah, the, the the planning meetings for the airport visit. Now, John Rector may have been in other planning meetings uh, with the news bureau on uh, and campus, but the airport specific planning meetings were in the old terminal building, in the old departure lounge that became a conference room, and it's now part of the uh, Parkland College Institute of Aviation. Okay. And, uh, yeah, the option, man, that was one of my favorites. And another one, like I say, I'll save for Saturday, and it's a little more uh, personal and operational. Uh, the fellow that got chased off by the, the sheriff's deputy, when you have a VIP of that magnitude, all the law enforcement are on duty, so they call everybody back they can. And uh, the federal government does not require it, but it, you're cordially invited to participate in protecting the president. Sure, sure, it makes sense. How long has that fence been up around the airport? When? Did, well, that when? was Mr. Wanzak's project. Okay. So the Steve that called in earlier. Yep. Um, I believe he started in the area of 2001, maybe. Okay. He okay. was a Air Force Academy instructor. He he flew the C-5A, which was the largest aircraft the U.S has in their air force and uh yeah he's got some stories hmm. and so that was post 9 11 improvement in airport security wow yeah so when when the president when they were here that day was there a fence up i mean was there any kind of a fence or was it just yeah so yeah. so around the old commercial airport the old side where the institute of aviation was and the new terminal building uh, we had a, a much higher barbed wire fence or a chain link fence with barbed wire strands on top. Um, around the rest of the field was just a four foot farm fence. Mm -hmm. hmm. And uh, yeah, so things had changed since 9 11. And we, one of the duties Mike and I both had done, and we did multiple, we had multiple tasks to accomplish to keep the airport safe and secure. And one of them was animal control. And we saw, deer jump over those high fences with barbed wire so yeah you, you keep you keep out what you what you need to do yeah. they've made improvements since oh sure yeah no no stray cattle though or anything like that no no, no. back <laughs> when they had the farm fence occasionally a drunk would drive onto the airfield crash yeah. a gate but 
little re- reflective material on the uh, the gates have improved that. So absolutely, uh, but you'll have that. A little substance abuse kind of makes people do things they ought not to probably do. Absolutely. Hey, good stuff, John. Thank you. Well, you have a great day. Yeah. You too. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Good to hear from you. Thank you. 1045 at DWS. Back in a moment. Penny for your thoughts. Back on a penny for your thoughts here on this Thursday. As the needs of customers grow, Busey continues to expand its digital footprint, allowing you to bank when and how you want, whether it's personal or business banking, opening an account, scheduling an appointment. You can do it all from the convenience of home. eBank, you can do it that way. Online account opening, you can schedule appointments, skip the line and schedule appointments online for services related to personal checking or savings account. You choose the location, preferred associate, date and time questions about how to bank from the comfort of safety of home Busey's here to help contact a member of our customer care team monday through friday 7 30 a.m to 6 p.m and saturday 8 a.m to 2 at 1-800-67-BUSEY for a personalized walkthrough of their easy to use tools at Busey, they're proud to offer convenient digital banking platforms that enhance our customers user experience visit Busey.com today to get started today. A lot of fun talking about Air Force One being stuck in the mud 25 years ago coming up this Saturday. Uh, one note on airplanes, Southwest Airlines, they say their forecasts show lingering losses as booking slow in the wake of holiday meltdown. Southwest had to cancel about 17,000 flights over the year-end holidays. The airline took an $800 million hit to pre-tax results from the flight disruption. Southwest expects to post a loss for the first three months of the year. The carrier noted, reported a net loss of $220 million in the fourth quarter after the travel chaos drove up expenses and costed millions in revenue during what was expected to be the busiest travel period since before the pandemic. And uh, you may remember this from uh, January 26. This is the 26th, uh, 1986. The uh, Bears won the Super Bowl, by the way. You remember all of this, right? Oh, yeah. Walter Payton. Super Bowl shuffle just ahead of the, uh, and they made that, I think, earlier in the year. But the um, Bears won the Super Bowl on this day, beat the Patriots in Super Bowl 20, January 26, 1986, in New Orleans. Led by Mike Ditka. Of course, the tight end for the Bears during their 63 NFL championship win. Chicago won 17 of 18 games to reach the championship game with the Patriots, who became only the fourth wild card team in history to advance to the Super Bowl. 
Tony Franklin, you remember this, kicked a 36-yard field goal only one minute and 19 seconds into the game. New England took the quickest lead in Super Bowl history, but it went downhill from there. (laughs) 23-3, the Bears led at halftime. Tony Eason, of course, former Illini, had no completions in six passes, was sacked three times and fumbled one. Steve Grogan came in near the end of the first half. The Bears defense, the old uh, 85 uh, 46 defense from the uh, 85 Bears made a crucial impact on the game. Six Patriot turnovers held New England to a total of one, uh, I'm sorry, to seven rushing yards in the game. Jim McMahon, 256 yards, no picks. Refrigerator Perry with a touchdown. When the game was over, the Bears had set a new NFL record for margin of victory, bettering the mark of 29 set by the Raiders when they beat the Redskins in uh, a Super Bowl. be Super Bowl 18, I guess. Most valuable player, Super Bowl 20, was Richard Dent. Chicago had seven sacks in that game. All right, 10:52. back with more. Penny for your thoughts after this. Ten fifty-five. You'll sail on over to the uh, Beef House in Covington, Indiana. Exit four, just inside the Indiana state line. And looking for a great meal, maybe a good time to get over for lunch. Be careful on the uh, roads and parking lots and so forth. But uh, you will definitely smell the aroma of the Beef House when you get into the parking lot or pull off of uh, sixty-three there to turn into it. And it is uh, Indiana State Route sixty-three. I think exit one may be the uh, or right. Inside, a mile in, is the uh, visitor center from Indiana or for Indiana. And you can stop there, too, if you want. But anyway, you can go on up another three miles. You get to the Beef House, exit four, for a great steak, uh, for great chicken, pasta, seafood, you name it, they've got it. Huge menu. You can do the buffet. they got all kinds of great entrees and pies. And I always want a pecan pie when I'm there for some reason. And I know those have a lot of calories, but I like them. But anyway... Uh, <laughs> I have to decide every time, okay, how much am I going to eat here? And it's it's hard to make a decision because there's so much great stuff. The Beef House, Exit 4, Covington, Indiana. Regarding Air Force One, a listener says, PBS did a show on Air Force One and the presidential pilots under Presidents Bush and Obama. It was a wonderful documentary. I bet that is fascinating. Uh, another listener says, I worked near Neal and Windsor back when Clinton visited. There were probably 20 to 30 of us that went down by Larry Canfer's studio to watch the parade of Secret Service vehicles and saw Clinton waving. It was very cool. Then that afternoon, we drove down to Willard to see the stuck Air Force One. And another text, uh, going back here, let's see here. Oh, it said, yesterday a caller chastised you and your show for providing, quote, an open mic for misinformation. Was it misinformation when we were told ad nauseum that the mRNA injections would prevent us from spreading COVID to our loved ones? Thank you profoundly, this listener says, for providing your audience the opportunity to decide for themselves who and what to believe. I'm thankful the above-mentioned caller isn't in charge of the arbitration of truth you have the best thing going in local media i love your show 
Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you for your uh, your kind comments there. And good to hear from you. And thank you for listening. Appreciate everybody being out there listening and uh, gathering together every day here for um, whether it's an open line or guests like we had today with John Rector and uh, Mike Coble and all the great memories from 25 years ago. Always um, trying to do a show for you that uh, is informative and uh, has some good content and also gives you a chance to express your opinions and do all of those things. It's uh, in the media today, especially in a market our size, a community our size, it's uh, pretty rare. And that's what makes uh, this show over the years, the 70-plus years, has made it such a uh, great part of our community. And I'm just honored to be the guy in the chair at the moment. All right, that's going to wrap it up here for today. We're at 10.59. Our uh, forecast today, breezy, a little snow at times, a uh, little or no accumulation, high of 24 which is about where we are now. Cloudy most of the time tonight, a low of 16. Cloudy and windy with a snow shower tomorrow, 37. And a high of 43 on Saturday. I heard it's going to get really cold next week. So we'll have the moderate temperatures here for a few more days. All right, thanks to uh, John and Mike for coming in. Thank you to all our great callers. A lot of great memories there and uh, from that day. And hopefully they'll have a great time down at our friends at Monocles, uh, Beth and Tom down there. Uh, and Monocles in Tolono as they share some more stories about what happened when Air Force One got stuck in the mud here at uh, Woodard Airport. Back tomorrow, open line, Bradley Yukon, and then Flashback Friday, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana.